Welcome to the Full Fact Podcast, where we tackle bad information one fact at a time. I'm Alexis Conran, and on this episode, we'll be talking about the future of fact-checking. False information is created much faster and at a much greater volume than a human can possibly keep up with. But will this always be the case? To answer this, I'm joined by Nivan Babaka, who launched Full Fact's automated fact-checking team, and Andy Dudfield, who is now head of that team. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining me. Nivan, can I start with you? At what point did you realize that actually we are going to need some automated fact-checking? Uh, right away, I think. <laughs> um, as soon as you start looking at the number of claims or the number of statements that are made in public life, and then you look at the number of fact checkers you have, you realise that there's a bit of a mismatch there. And with all intents and purposes, we can't check absolutely everything. So the question became, how can we make the most of what we have? And the best ways to scale anything these days is to find tech solutions to it. And we wondered if there were like solvable tech solutions in the fact-checking process that could help us scale the whole thing. Okay, so talk me through this, uh, Andy. You're you're head of the team at the moment. What what are the first basic steps that you took? What's the architecture of the system that's going to automate fact-checking? Um. That's a great question. So I think one of the the key things is that we automate very little fact checking because computers are difficult and humans are really good at that kind of thing. But I think there's three steps broadly that we've implemented in our work. The first thing we think technology can do is to help us find the right thing to fact check. As Meevan mentioned, there is a huge volume of information. There's people saying things online, on television, on radio. I mean, able to triage that in some way to help sift out the most relevant or salient things to fact check is something that um, technology is quite useful at by being able to process text and identify where people are saying things that seem like claims things we might be able to fact check and ai is quite good actually artificial intelligence is quite good at being able to process lots of text and pull out things that we think look like they could be um, worth fact checking The second thing we're interested in doing is making the process of fact-checking be as quick as it possibly can. And that's kind of a procedural thing to make sure that our fact-checkers, our most precious resource that we have, these amazing, talented journalists, have the best tools to help them be fact-checkers. And that can be something that transcribes live radio or live television so that they've got the text in front of them. That can be something that is helping to identify things that we can bring back information quickly around. So if someone quotes some data from something like the Office for National Statistics, where we might be able to say, we know what that is and we can bring you the relevant information quickly about is unemployment rising or falling or such. That helps out with the process of fact-checking. And then the final thing that I think technology is good for and we want to use it for is to find repetition. So it's really important that when we've done a fact-check, we're always looking to get people to correct the record or take some sort of action. So we don't just publish a fact-check and hope that it's going to make a change in the world. We publish a fact check and then we try and ensure that something happens and also if we can spot multiple times where people are repeating that same claim something that we've fact checked we're able to much more quickly identify it and ask them to correct the record and that also helps us to identify patterns of misinformation as well so we can start to see where things are spreading who's saying what and the kind of the ebb and the flow of misinformation and so that, I guess, kind of leads us to the point where the ultimate fact check is done by the fact checker, the brilliant fact checkers we have. But the inputs and the outputs of that process technology really helps with. 
So let's get into the nitty gritty of it. Are you sitting there training AI machines to recognize, for example, let's take the health service. If the word NHS comes up, some computer somewhere goes, oh, okay, this person's talking about NHS. So let's, let's, let's focus on our data bank of NHS claims. But then I assume that the same, uh, in the same catch-all section, you'd have to have health service, uh, nurses, doctors, all those other trigger words. Is that how roughly, and I know this is sort of a layman's guide, but is that roughly what you've had to do? It's actually a little bit different. What we've done is we've said, what does a factual statement look like? And we've looked at all of our past fact checks and looked at the kind of statements that are fact-like, and they will have certain qualities to them. They will have a number in them, or they will have some sort of causation correlation, X leads to Y kind of statement. And our algorithm is basically learning over time, these are the claim-like statements. This is what they look like. And the next time when we feed it something, it goes, well, this looks pretty much like a factual statement, guys. Maybe you want to check it. And Andy, what happens after that? So let's say your AI has spotted a claim. Then what happens? Does it run that claim alongside fact checks that you have already done at full fact? Or is it doing a live brand new fact check? Um, so both. That can be easy if someone nicely says exactly the same thing as we previously fact-checked. That's a nice line we can draw between the two. Language tends to be more complicated than that. People use different terms that means the same thing. Our brain is able to process that really quickly, but ensuring that um, computers can understand that takes time and effort. It's that sort of fuzziness of this statement has the same intent as this statement. And so we do an element of that. Um, and that does help. And that's particularly useful in live fact checking. So if it's a political debate or something like Prime Minister's Question Time, where um, we want to know as quickly as possible, has this thing previously been fact checked? So maybe we wanted to tweet something out or to be able to intervene as quickly as we can. And then there is an element of things where we can try to do an actual live new fact check. But that tends to be really difficult because that relies on us being able to understand the intent of someone's statement. So people saying um, very crisply in that these figures were rising in this instance with these statistics and we can work out what they mean. That doesn't always happen. And also because we need really good data on the input side. So we need to make sure that we're reliant on often government departments and ONS slightly separately to that producing information of a high enough quality that we can access it, understand what it means, bring it back and ingest it into our fact-checking process. And we're really lucky in the UK that we have a good level of that, but there's always more that is needed. And having higher quality inputs for us to bring into the fact-checking process is one of the big things that would make our life easier. So where would this technology be put into use? Would anybody be able to access it? Or are we talking about this technology being embedded, Mivan, in social media tools, for example? I mean, Twitter, for example, stopping the spread of certain tweets from the American president, the current American president. Is that what we are talking about now? For example, this automated fact checking to be happening uh, on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, any of those social media tweets where no human involvement is needed, but that the whole process is automated? I think it's certainly becoming more common. And I think that's a question that we have to grapple with as a society. To what extent are we happy that these decisions are actually being made by algorithms and what kind of oversight is there of them? 
at the moment at full fact, we're using them with humans in the loop and the final choice is always made by a human. So when we are finding repetitions of misinformation, we still have somebody going, is that an actual match or not? Um, you could envisage uh, tech companies maybe doing the same, finding repetitions of misinformation and then choosing to take an action off the back of that without any oversight whatsoever. For example, if the match was only, let's say, 50% accurate and not 100% accurate and they decided to remove that, is that the right choice? I don't know. And we actually haven't decided as a society about where those thresholds are, where those rules should be and what we think are appropriate choices that should be taken. What would be your dream scenario? What are you missing so far? What, what do you sit there in the office and go, oh God, if only we're able to do this or if only we're able to do that, what would it be? So I think we're not quite there yet in terms of being fully able to do automated fact checking. It's still a little bit sci-fi, but you can start to see how we're building towards it. One of the most uh, complex things is language mm-hmm. in terms of the different kinds of discourse that people use. So the, the language that people might use on social media versus the language that someone might use in Westminster or on television. Like people talk in different ways, using different mannerisms and different terminology and have yeah, just different ways of describing things. And so finding a consistent way that you can process that information automatically to find the intent is an area which I think is really difficult at the moment. Technology is developing in this area at just a terrifying rate. We're constantly trying to use the latest AI thinking and the stuff that's gone from a cycle of things would take 10 years to go from an R&D project to something that could be used as a production thing is probably less than a year now. So the speed of technology is a thing that gives me hope. But I think the the points that Mivan was making about this kind of societal thing of where we want to draw the lines about what is acceptable to do automatically and what is not, it's really easy to say we should do good things and not bad things. Mm. But the, the intricacies of what good and bad means are incredibly complicated. And I think one of the most important things within any of the technology things is the ethics. Just because we can, should we do something? And I think that's that's one of the things we always have to keep in mind, particularly in areas like fact checking, where we're not wanting to work on hunches here. We need to make sure that we're doing absolutely the right thing. And we're really transparent with the way that we're sharing our working out. It's also worth noting that these choices change in different countries, cultures and societies. Um, One action taken somewhere might not necessarily be the right action that needs to be taken somewhere else. And I think we need to be really mindful of that, especially when we're making choices at a global level in tech platforms. From from my point of view, as someone who interviews politicians for a living, automated fact-checking or immediate fact-checking would be a complete game-changer. Is automated fact-checking going to solve those problems? Or is it purely a tool for the sheer volume that you have to deal with in the diaspora that it's at? It's on social media, it's on the radio, it's on TV, it's on podcasts, it's on WhatsApp groups. It's now audio recordings and WhatsApp groups and JPEGs and WhatsApp groups. It's not just text that's easy to just sit down, read and fact check. Is, am, I, am I barking up the wrong tree thinking that it's going to solve all my interviewing problems? mean there's so much to to unpack in that i mean one part i mean obviously no pressure that i feel of yes i know everybody wants us to do automated fact checking and quickly we're working on it we're trying as hard as we can um but i think the context is so so important i could state that you know inequality in society is rising or falling or 
crime is rising or falling and then you would have to ask me well am i using police recorded crime or public perception of crime to make that argument yes and that becomes really nuanced and being able to make sure that when you're starting to bring in automation that you can use those contexts and those caveats is i think one of the i know it's not a glamorous thing i know people may be yawning as they're listening to me talking about this but i think it's really essential that if you don't have those kind of underlying things sorted you risk losing the credibility in what you're offering um, and you risk distorting information and there's you know very bad things that can happen from that i think they are things that can be solved um, i think the idea of saying that you have some sort of provenance of information or you have this ability to say what statistics you're referring to when you're making a statement those things can be built but they take time and they take people to care about the implications of them and i think one of the things that's useful with fact checking is that you can draw attention to this stuff so you can start to say if, if you would like a world where you can have an ability to lie fact check somebody we need to fix some of the plumbing of the web that sits on the other side to ensure that we have the ability to do that so do you think that live fact-checking in debates, Meven, would you think that that is possible with the use of some automation and perhaps a, a live fact-checker there just to, just to make sure the computer doesn't go all astray? So that's where we actually started. So we used to do live fact-checking and, and still do of uh, TV debates. We would take our whole team into a new studio and uh, during an election or referendum, Somebody would be doing the monitoring, somebody would be writing out the claims, somebody would be doing the checking, and then somebody would tweet it out. And um, there was a whole pipeline of doing really fast live fact checking. Um, and that's the, one of the first tools we made was um, actually figuring out how we can do the monitoring more quickly, the spotting more quickly, and then bringing up our own fact checks in real time. So it is actually possible to create something where you can put it in front of you and as someone is talking, it transcribes it in real time. And then every single time they say something wrong and we've got a fact check about it, we can bring that up for you. But the things that that doesn't get to is we might tell you a fact check of a specific claim, but there might be a wider and different narrative at play. And that wouldn't answer that question. So even have we had instances of live fact checking and how did it go down? There was a really interesting study that was actually done in America by Duke Reporters Lab. Um, and they have a tool called Squash that's quite similar to ours that brings up fact checks in real time. And when they did user research with people, they found something quite interesting. So the experience is you're watching a debate and in real time, things pop up underneath that say fact check. And when there was a fact check and it said true or false, people left feeling like they got a better answer and a better debate. But when something was wrong, but there was no fact check that came up, they assumed that that was true because there wasn't a fact check coming up in real time. But actually it was wrong. It's just that there wasn't a fact check of that. So that was kind of one of the unintended consequences is when there are gaps in data, people assume that because of the lack of that pop up, it means that what they're saying is actually true. So we potentially might be doing more harm than good by doing live fact-checking sometimes. Do you think that the public will soon be able to have access to automated fact-checking, Maven? I actually think that people's media consumption is becoming more and more fragmented anyway. And we need to look for shared experiences across people. So in my head, it's actually beyond fact-checking. These numbers are numbers about what is the current state of the world. And how can we get those numbers to be 
the shared view of the world by everyone. And so it's not just about correcting facts in real time for me. It's about understanding how we can make more of those moments, whether it's in Google search, whether it's across Facebook, whether it's in a conversation that you're having angrily over a cup of tea. Mm. Like, how can we make sure that, that actually the numbers that we have that are our link to reality and what's happening are not being fragmented in the same kind of way. Do you mean that we all have to agree on a basic truth of what is fact and what is fiction? I'm saying we're collecting a that, lot of stats. That's, that's dreaming, me, man. I mean, that's you're way ahead of the game. I'm sorry, there. it's too but, radical. <laughs> way too radical. But 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 I guess what I'm asking is that if we are seeing more and more people. They want to fact check what is coming out of their leaders and politicians' uh, mouths. So is automated fact checking something that they'll be able to use in the future, Andy? I think we, we don't at the moment. Our, our work is thinking about how do we help fact checkers? And that's the users that we have. That's fact checkers in full fact. Um, Jack Yardo in Argentina. And we work with Africa Check across um, South Africa, Kenya and Nigeria who are using the tools that we have. And that's mainly where we're thinking. But the information that we're producing, where it goes from here is, I guess, an open question. And I think the, the point that Mipham was making around how does this get used in other products is really interesting as well. I think the number of fact checks around the world, and even you may need to lie fact check me talking about live fact checking, but I think there's about 70,000 or so fact checks ever written, which is a pretty small number by you know, a, a couple of hundred fact checkers around the world. Mm. Um, and so we need to think about how do we get those to the places where they need to be as well. So um, the point about how do fact checks surface up in things like a Google search page or in Facebook is equally as important of how do we ensure that the algorithms those organizations are using to decide where a fact check is used are the gateway to potentially millions or billions of people. I mean, Google have several products that have billions of users seeing our fact checks as well. And I think that's a really interesting front for us of thinking about not just people coming to full fact channels, but also how the fact checks that we produce and other fact checkers produced are kind of intermediated into other people's experiences of platforms. So Miva, cut to the future in your dream world. What would you like automatic fact check to look like? I'd like it to be like an immune system for the internet. So at the start of each day, you could actually have a dashboard or a view of what are the claims that are trending across the internet and then get a sense of where should we focus our fact checkers time the best. And hopefully that would be on the top one or 5% of pieces of misinformation floating around the internet. That way, fact checkers are actually working on the things that are hitting most people at any one time. And then close after, through those interactions with search or with Facebook or Twitter or whatever, the fact check will be very close to that piece of misinformation. So we're not necessarily taking things down, but we are saying if you're going to see that piece of misinformation today, very close next to it is a fact check, which gives you the information that you need to decide if you want to believe it or not. And Andy, is there any worry at all in the back of your head that you may have a little bit of a crossing of the line between what is actually a fact check or all of a sudden fact checking sort of bits of free speech, bits of opinion um, that actually a, a piece of AI might think, well, actually this person's making a claim which we need to correct. Whereas actually that person's just expressing an opinion and they have the right to be wrong. Um, yes. I mean, I think uh, the consequences of any use of technology need to be appreciated and understood and particularly AI, where 
we can't treat it as this sort of magic black box that we give stuff to and only good stuff comes out. We have to think about what data it's trained on. We have to think about the any of the people involved in the creation of the technology, what bias or prejudice or anything they could have had. And then we've got to be constantly looking for safeguards of thinking, okay, how do we check the quality of this information? And I think at the moment, that's good diligence and also this idea of the human in the loop, the person who's always able to verify things. And I think we've got to have a, just a much greater confidence of a shift forward in the quality of technology before we'd ever get to the point where we would want to take that human out. Because exactly as you identify, it, there can be unintended consequences and we have to be mindful of that. Well, I'm sure the fact-checking team back at Full Fact headquarters just breathed a whole sigh of relief that they'll still be there uh, as when the system is fully functioning, fully operational. It's starting to sound like a Death Star, uh, but it isn't. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, <laughs> both, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you to both of you uh, for giving me your time. And uh, it's 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 an exciting. Uh, it's an exciting project and it's it's one that I'm sure we're going to be talking about in the future. Uh, now, that's all we have time for uh, this episode of the Full Fact Podcast, which was released on the 23rd of November. As such, all the information was up to date at that time, but the technology may well have advanced depending on when you're listening to this. Full Fact is an independent and impartial charity and you can read about our commitment to neutrality at fullfact.org forward slash about. <laughs>